Thanks. Thanks, sure. Anything for you, Mrs B? Listen, for what it's worth, it might not be worth much, but... He was a good man, Johnny. He was, yeah. Thanks. He was a great boss. In both trades, liquor and knicker. Always polite and... And he had a wonderful whiff about him. Pack a raban. I honestly couldn't tell you. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Yes, anyway, <clears throat> hello and welcome to episode 178 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street Catcher podcast. I was very disappointed that when Sean mentioned his network of useless contacts to Nina, he wasn't talking about homeless Carol, he was talking about homeless Dudley. I'm Gavin. <laughs> and I am so ashamed that I mistook Richard Marks for Brian Adams you this should. week. You should My 12-year-old self is just, wants to disown me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your 12-year-old daughter wants to disown you as well, for different reasons. <laughs> Not. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. It just seems like a natural place to go. I bought her a $50 antique top hat. She does not want to disown me. Does she need that? Yes. I'm confused. We were speaking about this when we were doing our SpongeBob Squarecast Patreon episode this week <laughs> about who she's going to be at Halloween. And I thought she was going to be Slash. Yeah, she decided once she got the top hat and, you know, it was basically put together... That she wanted to be the Onceler instead. I don't know what that is. The Onceler from the movie The Lorax. And I still don't know what that is. Based upon the Dr. Seuss book, The Lorax, who speaks for the trees. Oh, like dogmatics and asterisks. The only uh, Lorax reference I have is when we were moving here from uh-huh. Connecticut and we spent the night in the middle of Pennsylvania. And then the next morning, when we were on the road again, I got a call from the hotel back in Pennsylvania when we were in Ohio mm-hmm. to tell me that we'd left something and she says I think it's from the Lorax uh-huh. and I'm like well send it on to us because I ain't turning back <laughs> what was it? I think it was a, a cuddly toy oh, I think it was a sneech was it a sneech? yeah I don't think we have I don't think we ever had a Lorax I don't know we don't, we don't have that either anyway and that was like 10 years ago so. <laughs> But it all came flooding back to me. I don't think I've ever said that to anyone. Yeah, Gen Zers seem to really love that movie, um, which wasn't great, you know, and came out before most of them were born. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she gets to wear a green coat. She said yesterday, because she basically wore her costume yesterday <coughs> as well, she got mistaken for she got mistaken for a leprechaun. <coughs> this is also very emotional. And uh, Willy Wonka. Oh. So, who does not wear a green coat? He wears a purple coat. She rocks a hat, I have to say. She does rock a hat. She's got my fedora. She does. And my... Uh, it suits her a lot better than that ever suited me. And and my yellow Barbara Streisand hat. <laughs> which she wore... Which well, she looks she, like a poof. Which she wore to... Not uh, that kind of poof. To her band concert. And I think, I think we, I, we shared a picture of that on our, on our Twitter. I don't know how, because you couldn't see her. Well, because I got her to pose afterwards oh, with her okay. trombone. That makes much Affectionately known as LeBron James. Yeah. That's, 
I'm I'm choosing to find this quirky. Whatever. So how are you feeling this week? Well, I have pneumonia. You do. And strep throat. Yep. Both. Mm -hmm. Yay. No COVID still? Still no COVID. (laughs) They called me with uh, results yesterday, but I was sleeping, so I didn't answer the phone. And when I called back, they didn't call me back. But considering they didn't call me back and I haven't gotten anything from the, the county medical commissioners, I'm assuming I don't have COVID. Excellent news. Yes. So this is exactly what you want to be doing on a Saturday morning then, right. s- speaking about things. Well, I spent, I finally took my, my eldest son's advice and rested because he's been yelling at me for, you know, ever since I've had strep, which was August. Right. <laughs> What are you doing up and doing stuff? You should be in bed resting. And I kept saying, I can't rest. I'm I'm a mom. There are things in this house that need to get done. And I'm the only one who seems to be able to do them. Mm-hmm. So I took Thursday because it, I also now have pneumonia. I was like, well, I guess I can take a few days off. So I took Thursday and Friday off of work and just kind of rested in bed. Read three books. Slept a lot. Did get up and move about a little bit. So I'm on lots and lots of medications, you know, and I am able to walk about the house a little bit. So I'm not on death's door. No, you are up to your tits and drugs, though. So this, this could be interesting. It could be. We'll, we'll see. It could go either way. Well, let's see how Cory News goes, shall we? <laughs> yes. And shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that. Pneumatic? Yeah, I was going for pneumatic, I think. Yeah. Pneumatic Cory News. What I do for my art. <clears throat> yeah, this is art. You don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, I thought you were talking about this. Well, I am, but you don't know what I'm talking about. So That helps. <sighs> there is nothing like a dame. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, Maureen Lipman officially received her damehood this week from Prince Charles wearing a fascinator she borrowed from the show. See, I thought that she was a dame already. Well, she was. It was announced last year that she was going to become a dame, but the ceremony was postponed by the pandemic, so she didn't get her official damehood. She didn't get like the the big ribbon thing pinned to her chest by a prince, right? Because <laughs> you can't make your own big ribbon thing. No, it has to be delivered by a prince. Yes, or a queen. Yes, maybe a king. This is how fairy tales go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> her, her. Her, her coat and her shoes were her own, though. Apparently, uh, the show sent her like seven different hats and fascinators, and she had like a little fashion show with her friends and oh, everything. Fun. Which is just adorable because, you know, I remember doing that with my friends. Maureen Lippman, Project Runway. I know. Lovely. Hmm. <laughs> that might just work. Maureen Lippman, next top model. <laughs> <laughs> Future Academy Award-winning actor Jude Reardon is due to scoop up another award on his way to the top, gaining a nomination for the Pride of St. Helens Awards Imperial Bar and Terrace Arts Award. Fun fact, Jude also appears in Brothic with another former standout Corey Child actor and my favorite vampire, Joe Gilgan. Oh. It is a small world after all. It really is. Now, Chloe from Nova Scotia, off this parish, who I will mention probably in about five minutes, mm-hmm. she posted something on Twitter saying that she saw 
the kids of Coronation Street on the YouTube recently. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, from 2005, 2000-ish, mm-hmm. 2005-ish. When Chesney had just joined the show uh-huh. as a tiny wee boy, 10-year-old ginger boy. Mm-hmm. And the praise that Chesney was getting is very reminiscent to the praise that Sam's getting. That's very interesting. Yeah, so these kind of cycles of, of Corey being good at picking great kids to come and and, mm-hmm. and I'm, I said I said this on Twitter myself that you did I, I'm almost now completely wary of saying how good a child actor he is he's just a good actor right saying child seems to demean it a little bit it's like saying actress a little bit it, yeah. it's a qualifier that is unnecessary I think right. so absolutely yeah yeah I keep meaning to watch Brassic I think it's on the Hulu so do I I think it is we should do that. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we have another soap jump to announce as former Emmerdale actor Gemma Oten will be joining the cast of Corey. She was also appeared in Doctor Who, Doctors and Casualty. I do not believe she's playing a doctor on, on Corey, though. Interesting. And that's Corey News. That is Corey News, our mailbag. We have a bulging mailbag. It's not just the way I'm sitting. (laughs) Our friend John got in touch to say, well done for managing to make some sort of sense out of what I witnessed in Horror Nation Street. So much of it was just pure nonsense and I wonder if Leanne crashed into the same skip that David crashed into a few years ago and (laughs) sent a picture and it does look very similar. It does look very similar. The aforementioned Chloe from Nova Scotia says, "Uh, Coronation Street has been so good this year. Let's all try to remember that. Coronation Street has been so good this year. (laughs) Then Canadian Helen got in touch. She says, loved the podcast this week. Thank you for explaining everything so well. My thoughts exactly about the floating gun. If it floated so much, why would the baddies on Coronation Street throw them in the canal? Right. Oh, very good point. I have a duck that I want to get rid of. Let's throw it in a canal. Yeah. Right. And yeah, then why I've, can... I've watched, I've watched so many of those um, magnet fishing videos on YouTube with Benny to know that, that guns do not float. <laughs> now, why couldn't they make IDV Corey's bag float all those months ago if this was the case? I think first time commentator Maureen wrote in to say, sorry, but I loved Horror Nation Street. It was exciting, it was tense, and I was in tears when Johnny died. It had everything. Maybe your expectations were too high. Not everything has to make perfect sense. That is true. That, that is, is true. true. And we are, we are not here, we are never here to yuck someone else's yum. So if you got enjoyment from it, then bravo, bravo to you. I think we addressed that last yeah. week. There was something that was dividing people. There were people who loved it and there were people who, yeah, not so yeah. much. Yeah. And now, we'll podcast for coffee. Thanks oh. to Fiona for... Hmm? I was going to say, or in my case this week, mint tea. <laughs> sure. We'll podcast for mint tea. That just sounds a little bit too elitist. Well, it wouldn't Th- be the first time I'd been called that. <laughs> Thanks to Fiona for buying us our coffees this week. I discovered your pod this week, she says, and binged all the recent quarry weeks that I couldn't bear to actually watch. Kudos to you for making it far more interesting than it would have been anyway. So thank you for that, Fiona. <laughs> thank you for your donation. 
That donation will be heading at the end of the month, so just in a couple of days, to BCRF, Breast Cancer Research Fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the month of October, we're donating all our coffees to uh, Breast Cancer Research. So you still have a couple of days if you want to be part of that. We're over 100 bucks now, which I'm really happy about. It'd be great if we could make it to 200 bucks, but I'm not going to be putting any pressure on anybody. These are difficult times. But if you have any spare cash and you think this is worth something, mm-hmm. buy us a coffee and we'll send it to Breast Cancer Research. Any thoughts to what we'll do in November? I think we'll buy our own coffees in November. <laughs> we haven't bought our own coffee in like two months. No, it's true. The well is dry. My throat <laughs> is parched. And now, this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to last year tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about a fabulous pair of undercrackers. Was that really what it was called? Yep. Somebody else besides you says undercrackers? Yep. That makes no sense. And it wasn't Kirk. It wasn't Kirk? What? This had something to do with the factory, though, obviously, and the knicker people. And that had something to do with one of the knicker people, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's your guess. That's right, this was Sean listing the things that he could do for Dylan other than play football. Oh, we could go shopping, we could do blah blah blah, I could fashion you a fabulous pair of undercrackers. I was Gavin and you were so happy to see me, my money penny. Yes. Because Sean Connery had just died. Yes. And we chose to tribute him by taking the piss out of his voice. Yes. I mistook your Sean Connery impression for your Jimmy Stewart. Which is very different. Yeah. And this was the episode where this happened. In the bistro, the poker game is between Ray Weinstein and a guy who looks kind of like Johnny Vegas. The stakes are high. I raise you two grand. I raise you back three grand. Ray calls and his and, three aces... And be- throw the tart in with it. <laughs> and it's like, he's not that kind of... <laughs> Ray calls and his three aces beat Johnny Vegas's two pair, queens over jacks. Then Scott... Wearing a mask from the purge and sounding very much like Scott from the B and B, bursts in. Everyone, stay cool. This is a robbery. Any of you fucking pricks, move, and I'm going to execute, execute every, every mas- motherfucking last, last one, one of you. you. I think that was the most fun I've ever had doing this podcast. Ah, oh, well, yeah, that w- that's what that was that's what stood for Super Soap Week last year. <laughs> right, Scott in a mask from the Purge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we pondered on getting Snoop Dogg to voice Tim Bot four thousand for us. Seeing the three and a half million bucks, we'll get him to say whatever you want. Our heating was broken. It was chilly in here last year. Was it? Yeah, our Borat impression needed work. <coughs> My life. We did a lot of impressions, didn't we? Yeah, Corey must have been absolutely fascinating that week. <laughs> Scott regales Johnny with tales of what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in Kent, while plans for one of the stupidest and most pointless capers ever to grace the cobbles gained momentum. Elon accidentally discovers why Arthur has been making excuses to avoid her since the day they met up again, and it has nothing to do with warming tablets. Wendy the Guardian interviews Nick and Gail, who have different opinions on Oliver's level of consciousness, while Leanne is confident that a twitch from a slammed door proves that our little boy can hear everything. Tim's dad has a nylon shirt and he isn't afraid to use it. 
Dylan is good at football because everyone says so. Abby is becoming suspicious of Deb and her laptop's continued presence in Weatherfield. Craig gets shot to impress Faye. Roy plays musics. And Ryan is called a genius. And it probably wasn't sarcasm. Our moment of the week was Evelyn and Roy playing Scrabble. And our boring moment of the week was Ray Weinstein bantering with Johnny Vegas at the poker table. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Yeah, the the show posted a thing this week about name a name a more epic pairing than Abby and Roy. We'll wait. We'll wait, and it's like uh, Roy and Evelyn, mm-hmm. Roy and Nina, mm-hmm. Roy and Carla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's three th- off the list. top of my head. There's a list. <laughs> Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Our first storyline this morning is no more chili con carne for you. <laughs> With or without rice. <laughs> right. On Monday, Jenny's back in the street with Daisy, arm in a sling, as residents and extras alike gather around a because makeshift that's memorial what you for do Johnny. When your shoulder's broken, you put your arm in a sling. Is it definitely a broken shoulder? Still, there's there's no cast. Oh. There's no brace. My brother fell three stories out of a tree this past summer. Yeah, if you see him, he'll tell his, you about it. It broke it broke his shoulder at his arm. Tell you what. They didn't just throw his arm in a sling. <laughs> no, but he had a double compound fracture, as he's apt to tell people. <laughs> so, yeah, everyone gathers round a makeshift memorial for Johnny, all of them sampling from a communal bowl of chilli con carne without rice. <laughs> Carla lays her flowers at the entrance to Underworld, where Johnny may or may not have been a consultant. In the Rovers, Jenny can't sleep and blames herself for Johnny's death. So today, let's celebrate his life with a party in his honour. He died a hero. Did he? No. Thank you. Daisy isn't sure it's a great idea or that he died a hero. David and Sean have spent the night in the hotel and they're looking to move back into number eight. Sarah's there and doesn't think they'll be allowed back, but David will be fucked if he's moving out of his home again because of Ray Weinstein and that stupid sinkhole. Callan Peter and Roy Rolls. She's got to go to identify the body as Jenny can't face it. What a horrible way to go, drowning on his own in a Victorian drain on Super Soap Week. Roy pipes up that Johnny died a hero, which doesn't help. They really try to push this Johnny died a hero malarkey. Right. Well, thanks, Shona. He he died, I guess, a considerate man. He died a victim of toxic masculinity. <laughs> yes. If he and Leo, <laughs> which, is, which I think is what I meant. <laughs> if he and Leo hadn't gotten in a, in a dick waving contest mm-hmm. at the top of the hole, but not like that. None of this would have no, ever no, happened. Let's not, do, let's not do a million hole gags this week again. Oh, no, actually, let's do it. This is not a gag. This is this is the truth, okay? Because it was just the stupidest thing in the world for a 70-ish-year-old man with MS. I think he's in his 60s. A 60-ish-year-old man with MS to climb down into a hole where he doesn't know where Jenny is. He doesn't know how he's going to get her out. And he's just going to make things worse, which he does. Well, it's a, it was a dick-waving contest because he had to prove that he was just as virile as Leo. And it didn't work out for him. No, it didn't. But that's, that passes for heroism. He- yeah, heroism. Toxic masculinity tends to pass for heroism an awful <laughs> lot in this world. And I think it's time we stop it. I'm, I'm, I'm placing my flag right in this hole. But not like that. Later, Jenny, Jenny has had a meeting with the Weather Gazette 
Johnny is a local hero, Saint Johnny. Jenny's slowly getting hammered as Daisy tries to mother her and sinkhole Leo comes in, but Jenny tells him to GTF, and this she, is not a good time. She hilariously says to the to the to the reporter, now I know how you lot are. Just the good stuff. I don't want you talking about the fact that he went to prison. And the reporter's like, Oh, he went to prison? prison? <laughs> it's like Jenny, shut up. Yeah. Back from the viewing, Carla didn't think it looked like Johnny. But I don't think she means that it wasn't Johnny. Right. Peter yeah. confirms that it was indeed Johnny. She wants to give him a dignified funeral as opposed to an undignified funeral. And then she gets a text and rushes off. Uh, yeah, I think... Um, I mean, he drowned. So, yeah, that body was probably very horrible to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I sympathise with Carla. Uh, but in probably this. recovered fairly quickly. Or why didn't he float away? <laughs> well, he probably did float away. He landed on... Harvey at the exit to the sewer. Oof. And number eight, <coughs> David and Sean are talking to sinkhole Leo. Leo points out that the sinkhole was left for so long it caused subsidence that bl- fell into the hole and blocked the drains. Shona says what David doesn't want to hear. If they'd fixed the sinkhole, none of this would have happened. Keep that to yourself, though, says David. They had it covered up, though, so what fell in? And Oh, it- the, the sides, the sides of the hole. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, because it, it did look significantly bigger than it did initially. Yeah, well, I think you want probably more wood than is necessary well, just to be true. on the safe side. That's true. Still, it shouldn't be the homeowner's responsibility to fix something that's happening in the earth. We keep on saying this, but I'm not sure. Yeah, we we, we say it, and, and yet we, we, we haven't researched it. Not one little bit. But, I mean, like, when we have a gas leak, we're not responsible for... for Fixing it for paying for the repairs. The well, city does. Apparently, apparently. Our taxes take care of it. I was, I was going to say something that was terribly boring and I've managed to stop myself. So you're welcome. You're welcome. Jenny is drunk now, forcing Ryan and Kirk to dance to Sweet Caroline <laughs> when Carla comes in to put a stop to it. Dance, bitches, dance. <laughs> right. <laughs> Kirk was really going for it, <laughs> doing his robotic dance. Yeah. And uh, Ryan was quite funny when he realised that somebody else was watching them because there's no one else in the pub. Mm-hmm. And he kind of puts his hands through his hair and right, yeah. tries to ignore it. Daisy agrees and Jenny tells her that she always hated Johnny. She's a fucking cow and they get the fuck out of my pub. And my house and my life. So Daisy goes round to Daniel's. She doesn't want to talk about it and then talks about it. Mm-hmm. Daniel blames grief and offers up his couch if Daisy needs a place to crash for the night. He also has a sex cardigan somewhere in all this mess <laughs> if anyone's interested. <laughs> And, and there may still be a few droplets of that perfume in the bottle. <laughs> that was, we can eke it out a little bit. That was hilarious, though, because, you know, he says, well, I'll, I'll, I'll sort out the couch. And Daisy says, you know, oh, you don't have to give up your bed for me. I'll sleep on the couch. And Daniel says, okay. sure, that's what I meant. <laughs> oh, no, I thought he meant that he was going to sleep on the couch. So Carla decides to tell Jenny that Johnny was peaceful. No more pain. Jenny apologises. She still feels like she let him down and pushed him away. Carla laughs. Johnny wasn't easy to live with sometimes. Jenny did her best. Then Sarah and David have been called to the bistro by Debbie. She wants to talk about whose fault the sinkhole was. That Ray Weinstein. David quickly agrees. And Debbie offers to put David and family up in the hotel for as long as it takes to fix. Yeah. And and a couple of free beers and some burgers. And this is just... Why do they make David so stupid? I don't think they're making him stupid. They're making him very self-centered, though. Well, self- and selfish. And also stupid, because it's obvious what Debbie is doing here. 
She doesn't want any blame of that sinkhole. She doesn't want anybody finding out that it was Ray Weinstein who did the sinkhole. Right. Or the mole man. Right. Because she was involved with all of that. And some of that could have come and some of that could come crashing in on her. So the way that she's talking about it, like, yeah, it was him, but you know how people like Ray Weinstein is, they always get away with it. They'll never peg it on him. Hmm. So, and so I'll give you a few free rooms for as long as it takes so that you won't talk about the fact that it was Ray Weinstein who did this. Ah, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. Oh, that's very sleek from our Debbie, isn't it? Very absolutely. Yeah. So later, alone in the Rovers, Jenny breaks down when she realises that Johnny isn't going to make her laugh again and she still doesn't know who eats chilli con carne without rice. Well, she listens to Richard Marks and not Brian Adams. Then in comes Leo, sent by a worried Daisy. And Leo and Jenny are through the back of the Rovers as she sobers up. He's going to keep her company. She tells him that he should run a mile. All she does is hurt people. He tells her not to blame herself and give herself some time. He appears to have a very lovely cuff tattoo. Yeah. I'd like to see more of it. <laughs> you settle down. It's just on, a tattoo. On Wednesday, Carla comes into Roy's roles and speaks with Sarah, who offers her assistance on anything. Carla correctly credits Shona with saving Jenny's life. Thank you, Such somebody. Sh- right, if it's think to Wednesday. Right, yeah. Unfortunately, she's doing it when Shona's not there <laughs> right. to say thank you. Such a shame that nothing could be done for Johnny. It's just not fair. Sarah is apologetic. It's not your fault, says Carla, quizzically. So Sarah's back at number eight, tiptoeing through the kitchen like the floor is going to collapse. That was hilarious. Mm-hmm. David thinks it's funny until Sarah points out how devastated Carla is. David reminds her to keep her trap shut. So Sarah has now been on the phone to the sinkhole company and the price has now skyrocketed, much more than Audrey could cover. Plus, they've reminded everyone that it should have been fixed sooner. Daniel, who'd been passing to tell Max that he can skip his homework for the time being, overhears all this and that the whole thing is Gail and David's fault. Daniel hightails it back to the flat and spills the beans on the David situation to Daisy and he gives her a pan au chocolat. Mm-hmm. But not like that. I'd like a pan au chocolat. Do you know what? As I say it, I think, I, yeah, I could eat a pan au chocolat right now. Yeah. Do we have any pan au chocolat? We don't. There's a French bakery in Lansing, though. Oh, well, maybe. Mm. Let's go do that right now. Yes. Other overs. Well, we watch Brothic. <laughs> Jenny is chatting to Carla about how useless Johnny was down in the sewer. In comes Daisy and Jenny immediately apologises. Never mind that, says Daisy. Wait till you hear what I fucking found out. Gail, David and Shona could have prevented this. Who's thrown Shona Shona under the bus bus. here? So Jenny and Carla go and pounce on David and Shona like a puma. They pounce on David and Shona. No, like a pair of cougars. And after Carla scares the bejesus out of David, he admits that the whole thing was probably avoidable. Carla can't believe it. Jenny thinks David is good as murdered Johnny. And David looks at Shona and seemingly in a look that kind of blames her for all this. Right, yeah. He's like, wait a minute. And Shona rightly points out, wait a second, I saved your life. Why are you yelling at me? (laughs) And also, (laughs) it's not my house. (laughs) And I had a brain injury. Yeah, You can't blame any of this on me. Back at the Rovers, Jenny and Carla try to process this information. Ronnie comes in to offer his condolences. He's a bit awkward and leaves at the back, well, or goes up to his room because mm-hmm. he still lives at the at the Rovers. Right, yes. As Daisy confirms that he's that she's moving back in, and in the Rovers, Sean is telling Carla that Johnny was a great boss, both liquor and knicker. Sarah comes in to speak with her to apologise if they think that her family is to blame. She's going to help to pay to fix it with the money that she was going to use to buy into the factory, even though we don't even live there. 
big fucking wow, says Carla. Aren't you the selfless saviour? Right. And it's like, you know, this is this is a house your own mother was living in. Wouldn't you have offered to help pay to fix that hole from the very beginning to protect your own mother? Or even just put some pressure on somebody to take care of it. Well, the whole thing. And I mean, I think we can blame the pandemic for this because it is ridiculous how long that hole sat there waiting to be filled. Mm hmm. And how many people offered to help pay to fill that hole in and then it just dropped off and nobody ever talked about it again. Right. Like the whole, you know, Natasha being surprised that they hadn't gotten the hole filled in and everything when she was so uppity about it, you know, getting fixed because of how much time Sam was spending there. And it's like, why? I offered why you the did money. This... Why didn't you come to me? Right. And it's like. We said we'd take the money. Why didn't you write a check and give us a check? It's just the whole thing is just because, and the reason why is because they needed that hole still open for Super Soap Week. Right. They're just trying to make it out as a, as a, a comedy of manners. Right. Oh. Yeah. And it doesn't work. Not in Weatherfield. No. We kind of said this last week when we thought that sometimes the best part of Super Soap Week is what happens after Super Soap Week. Yes. So you have all the drama. Now you have people just... Picking up the pieces. Because the movie would have ended if it was a movie mm -hmm. on Friday. So this, because it's continuing drama, this is what happens after the movie finishes. Mm -hmm. After Independence Day, after Rocky running up to the um, up the steps to the Philadelphia City Hall, what happens after that? Well, we know what happens after that because that's like in the middle of the movie, isn't it? Well, yeah, but then the montage fi montage finishes and, and I always want to know, well, well, what happens then? Do the kids all just go, is that it? Do we <laughs> yeah. just go home now? Yeah. All right then, Rocky, we'll see you later then. Bye, Rocky. Rocky gets a bus. Back to his, <laughs> you know, there's, there's elements there you that really I'm You really wanted in. to see that? <laughs> I'm curious. So this is what happens after the sinkhole, what happens right. after the escaped convict. This is Halloween 2, if you like. And I think it's, I think it's, it's what we want more, isn't it? It's the kind yeah. of the human side of it and right. the character side of it. Right, and absolutely. What I really don't want though is Jenny just hitting the bottle because, because too many characters, whenever they have any kind of emotional or um, psychological or any kind of drama in their lives that is, you could say, is difficult to deal with. The first resort is to hit the bottle. Well, that's true to life, isn't it? Is it? I don't know that it is. I think I think people deal with things in multitudes of ways. Yeah. That not all of them require alcohol. No. A lot of them do, though. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on all of it. Oh, so on the, on the Jenny side of it, though, from Cinco Leo to Ronnie... I'm I'm wondering if Cinco Leo is because Cinco's in his name. Does mm -hmm. that remind him or remind her too much of Johnny's demise? Is it really Ronnie that's going to be her paramour uh, after all this is settled? Well, he he'd have to dump Debbie first. I think he'd do that in a flash, don't you? I don't know. I, I did I did find it very interesting and and kind of powerful the way that she you know when Leo first comes in. And she's kind of like, I just, I don't, I don't really want to see you right now. And then when she's, I have to organize this celebration of life. And Leah's like, oh, well, when does it start? I'll be there. And she's like, ah, 
Please don't be. Right. She sees you him know. as as her betrayal of Johnny, which yes. isn't really the case. No, not at all, because Johnny's the one who left. And Johnny gave his blessing, not right. that it was needed no, to, it wasn't. to that relationship. So she should Toxic really man- be. masculinity, man. It just... The man's a hero. He is not. So next story today is Tata Natasha. On Monday at the hospital, Natasha's hooked up to a million machines and still in a critical condition. The doctor reluctant to give any optimistic news to Nick. They'll be bringing her around later following a liver operation. She's been shot in the liver. Yeah. Livers are, are always in danger on the street, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. In the hotel, Leanna's leaving a message for Nick. She wants to tell Sam all about the Natasha situation just as Sam comes in. Leanne plays dumb when he starts asking questions about his mum, but he quickly distracts himself with facts about the rainfall during Super Soap Week. Nick gets back to the room. Sam wants to talk about climate change, but Nick has news about Natasha for him. She's in the hospital after an accident. Sam seems pissed that Leanne knew this and didn't say anything. And then privately, Nick tells Leanne he just puts his head on her and she just strokes his hair. Simon shows up at the hospital and through his guilt he tells Sam that Natasha was shot because of him. Shot? That doesn't sound like an accident to me, says Sam. Leanne tries to take the blame for it, but Sam knows it's Harvey's fault. Maybe a bit of David's. Let's all stick together, he says. Mm -hmm. And later Nick comes back from a shite and Sam checks that he washed his hands. Nick confirms that he did. Potential moment of the week there. The doctor comes in to tell them that she needs more surgery. They can't stop the bleeding. Sam asks to see her before she goes to the theatre. So Sam goes to see Natasha and says goodbye to her by talking about different types of anaesthesia. Natasha's proud of her wee boy. It's always you and me against the world, she says. Outside, Sam is worried that he forgot to tell Natasha that he loves her, so he wants some cash from Nick to get some presents for her when she wakes up. None of this is a good sign. Yeah, grapes. Right. I don't understand the grape thing. That's not something that we do here. Oh, it's always grapes in the UK. I don't understand why, though. Take someone who's sick a bunch of grapes. <laughs> I think it's because you can just pick at it. There's no, there's nothing required. You just pick at the bunch. You don't have to peel anything. Yeah, I suppose. They go bad fast, though. Well, that's why you eat them. <laughs> Sam's got quite a lot for his money, and he's writing a card with uh, us two against the world written in it. Later, Sam is worried about Nick getting deep vein thrombosis because he's not moving about enough. When the doctor comes in with some bad news, they did their best. They couldn't stop the bleeding. And Natasha's died. And I'm kind of angry at this. I think I think lots of people are angry at this. Addie got blown out of a car <laughs> and is already out of the hospital and walking about. Granted, on painkillers. She did get shot. Kev, yeah, but in the liver. <laughs> you can get a new one of them. Unless unless she had internal bleeding somewhere else as well, and that's what they're talking about. But still, it's it's infuriating that out of all of the people who could have died and may still have died, because let let me remind you, nobody knows where Imran is still. No. <laughs> and nobody clear. seems to care. No. Not once does somebody say, Where did Imran go? We do learn, and maybe I come to this, I can't remember, but we do learn that Harvey has been reapprehended and is back in custody. Right. So he's not dead. Yeah. So the people he who, may he may be dying though. So the people who Harvey are, may die. We're not given that impression. The fact that he's that the the term he's been reapprehended 
kind of makes it suggest. Well, we know that he's been reapprehended because we saw he hit his head a little bit. That's all that happened to him. He's fine. Yeah, he should have flown out of that car because he didn't have a seatbelt on. No, so the people that were losing from this is Johnny, who's kind of served right, yeah, his time, and you know, I think it was probably right for him to go. Right, yeah. And Natasha, who was a great character, right, who had so much going for her, you know, was going to buy the salon and be a bigger part of the community, was a single mum, so lots of potential for, you know, pairing her up with all the single dads out there, mm-hmm. you know. I, you just look at it and you just see the potential of that character. There's so much potential in that character. And and they just kill her off for super soap week because she and Leanne were wearing the same Morticia costume. And for some reason, she went to their house. I still don't understand why she was there. No, and she had a key. And well, we knew she sure had a key. Yeah, but we're not sure why. Yeah. And Nick said, oh, no, 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 you can keep the key. Remember when you said that was a foreboding sign? Mm-hmm. And it was. And it was. Yeah. I've it was a, a waste of a character, I've, and we're very upset about it. I've got a little bit more to say about that, but I'm going to wait until the end. At the hotel, Leanne and Nick are coming to terms with Natasha's death. She gets a call from the police letting them know that they can go back to the flat now. They both worry about how this is going to affect Sam. Nick remembers losing his dad at Sam's age and how it messed him up. Leanne points out that he's not in control of how Sam feels. Leanne has been... A quiet word of wisdom in Nick's ear here, I think. Absolutely. So Sam comes in the room. He wants to go with Nick back to the flat, reminding him that they need to stick together now. Yeah. It's funny that Sam is the one that reminds everyone that this is the good thing to do here is to stick together. Right. Well, I think he's kind of terrified that something's going to happen to Nick as well. Back at the flat, Nick is in a hurry, but Sam has questions about where he found Mum and how the blood stain has been removed and the place stinks of bleach and the spot on the floor will always be a different colour now. Sam doesn't think that he wants to live here with a floor like that and he wants to go and see his mum. Yeah. And it's like if if this wee ten year old boy knows how to properly clean a blood stain, you'd think that the professionals <laughs> Probably Craig that done it. <laughs> no, because they, they they have like special there are special people that the police call in afterwards yeah, to called, called Craig. <laughs> Nick isn't sure Sam wants that uh, to be the last thing that he remembers of his mum but Sam is sure despite Leanne and Nick no, trying to no, talk him out of it did, did we say that he wants to go see his mum? Yeah His dead body? Yeah Oh, That was the end of the last paragraph Oh sorry Nick On drugs Nick isn't sure that Sam wants that to be the last thing that he remembers of his mum but Sam is sure despite Nick and Leanne trying to talk him out of it so Sam asks again he wants to go now and Nick can't handle this so sends him off with Leanne to get a milkshake I don't want a milkshake I want to go and see my mum yeah. Later at Roy's Rolls, Nick doesn't think he can continue to say no, and there's no way going back either. So if he says no now, then it becomes it becomes done. He can't say well, no. He can't say yes if he doesn't say yes now. He can't say yes later. Right. I say yes or no now. Yeah. Leanne offers her support either way. Sam comes back uh, from a shite and re- repeats his request to see his mum. Nick makes another push to put him off. Sam reminds Nick that it's not up to him, and he goes off which is just typical Sam. Yes. Leanne shouts at Nick to go after him. <laughs> well, go after him then. Yeah. Toya catches the end of this. Poor Nick just does not know what to do this got week. A clue. He is just all thumbs. And he thinks that Sam, and she thinks Sam's seen Natasha is an awful idea. Leanne is struggling with this too. And the idea that she needs to be a mother to the wee boy is terrifying her. Is, is this... Do, do, do children not... 
go to open casket funerals in the United Kingdom. No. You never saw a dead body when you were a child. No. Never. The first Not dead once. body I, said I saw was my uh, dad when I was 20-something. I just, it just blows. Oh, no, it was my granddad when I was 17. just blows my mind, you know, that, that people think that this is a horrible idea. This is... And I think this, I think society at large is kind of like this now. I don't think it's just the United Kingdom that's like this now. You know, I, I, do, I think fewer people, I think more people are a bit precious over here as well, as far as allowing children to see dead bodies when there are children the world over who are seeing their parents get blown up in front of them. You know, we put our, we put our people away, you know, behind closed doors when they're dying and they're dead. And I don't think it's a great idea. And I think Sam is absolutely within his rights. I saw lots of dead people when I was a kid, when uh, older people in my family would die. And I turned out fine and have a healthy respect for death. Sorry to go on a rant, but it, it really bothered me this whole time that you know people are like, oh no, you can't see your mother's dead body. Well, in the UK, t- to my uh, understanding and my experiences, if you're not there the day of the death, you're not seeing them. You see them in the hospital or you see them at home where they have died. Mm-hmm. But after that, you don't see them again. Like my mum, like she, she died. I saw her. The people that were there mm-hmm. went, went and said goodbye. But after that, I never saw her body. And when my, my, the first dead relative of mine was my grand when I was 10 and I wasn't allowed to go to the funeral. Yeah, see, that blows my mind, too, because I was going to funerals when I was 10. You know, open casket funerals. Yeah, I don't know if open casket is a thing in the UK. I don't think we want to see that. Yeah. I certainly haven't been to a funeral that had an open casket. And, I mean, I guess I guess it's different when the person is going to be cremated and maybe hasn't been pumped full of the chemicals and stuff, so, you yeah, know, it doesn't have that kind of sort of looking alive but really kind of off look mm-hmm. to them. But I mean, I remember, I remember going to open casket funerals and, you know, and leaving like little pictures and things in the casket with my, with my grandfather and stuff. Um, I was an adult at that point because, you know, it was a picture of Nick as a baby with, with my granddad and stuff. So it's just, it's really interesting to see a different perspective on, on children and death and and dying and like i said i mean there are places in this world where people don't have a choice right. about whether or not they see someone die and somebody dead horribly yeah i think we want to shield people from that yeah and i don't know whether or not that's necessarily always a good thing to do especially when people die relatively peacefully right so Nick tracks Sam down to the community garden. Sam explains how Natasha could just be in that London for all he knows or just round the corner. He regrets not saying goodbye now because he knows he won't see her again because he keeps forgetting that she's gone. That was just so powerful. Yeah. And this finally seems to work when Nick and he agrees. That reminded me of when um, the kid's nana died and uh, Steli texted her after after we had told her that she was dead. Yeah. You know, sort of thing. It's Again, you know. It's I, I think it's lovely and I think it's really good that they're they're adding this different perspective on death, you know, and death through a child's eyes. I think this mm. was very well, you know, I'm still mad that Natasha is dead, but I think this whole thing has been very well put together. Right. 
So Sam and Nick go and look at an empty casket for a bit. Sam laments the opportunities missed to say I love you. The times he pulled away from her for my kiss because he hated her sticky strawberry lip gloss and how he didn't dance enough with her. He's scared she thought that he didn't love her and Nick reassures him that she knew that very well. Back at the hotel, Sam's locked himself in the toilet. Nick worries that he made a mistake by taking him to the Undertaker's. He's a bad dad. Leanne sets him right, which is what Nick really wanted her to say. Mm-hmm. He's glad that they can do this together. And at the hotel room on Friday, Sam has been doing a shite for an hour now and ignores Nick when he knocks on the door. Nick is worried that he's broken Sam, but Leanne advises patience. He'll speak when he's ready. Nick goes to pick up some stuff, leaving a reluctant Leanne in charge. I don't understand why Sam has locked himself in the bathroom and not in his own room. Or was it his room? I don't know that no, his room would have a lock. It was It was the bathroom. That's what I thought. Because you could see, like, when he comes out, you can see the towels in the mirror and right. the toilet. It's like you have your own room with a bed. Mm-hmm. Go in that room and lock the door. Hours later, Sam's still in there, and when he finally comes out, he says, I'd give that five minutes. <laughs> he doesn't. Sam's not exactly Sam chatty. Sam nothing. And it's haunting. Nick apologises for yesterday as Sam's eyes quietly fill with tears, and he heads off back in the toilet. <laughs> Again, Leanne advises patients, let's get the funeral out of the way and see how things land in before you start worrying about therapy. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I was going to say was about Natasha leaving that I've saved is... If Jude Reardon couldn't act, we wouldn't be saying goodbye to Natasha. That's a fair point. If Jude was just a regular, and not meaning this disparagingly, mm-hmm. just you get what you expect from a child actor. Right. And if that was all we were getting, that's what we expect from a 10-year-old kid, mm-hmm. Natasha would still be in the show. Because I think what we're doing now is we're giving him this very adult storyline right a lot of scenery to munch on because he can yeah fair point yeah fair Uh, point but still you know he acted so well with her (laughs) right you know they were a great pairing they they played off one another really well they had great chemistry and comedic timing with one another when they said it's the two of us against the world you absolutely believe it yeah it's just such a really close relationship that a mother has with her only son when there's no father in the in the picture mm-hmm. and he she becomes his his world mm-hmm. and she has afforded him every opportunity and you know listened to every dullest mud fact that he's dug up from somewhere about something mm-hmm. and encouraged them right you know just don't change to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. Be Sam right. and be the best Sam fucking you Sam can you be. can absolutely be. And that's the relationship that they had together. And it was lovely. Mm-hmm. And when you saw the two of them, it was just like, they were like an old couple together yeah. in an awful lot of ways. Yeah. And and it worked brilliantly. It really did. And I'm so, so sorry and disappointed that Natasha's yeah, and I it. And I think it's really unfair of the show to be pushing Leanne into this as well and i think and i saw that you know lots of people were being quite nasty about this online about and calling leanne selfish and everything she's she's still kind of recovering from burying her own son Mm -hmm. and and will she ever recover from that and i think she's well within her rights to say privately to her sister she's not saying this to nick and she's not saying this to sam that she's worried that she can't be a good mom to Sam. 
And I don't think Sam wants her to be his mom no. right now. Nope. He's still grieving his own mom. Right. So people need to back off Leanne. Back all the way off Leanne. Get all the way off her back. Right. <sighs> Moving on then, our next storyline this morning is Alahan and Son. Mm. On one day at the Alahans, Dev is checking on Addy, who ignores his offers of help. He just wants to go to bed and sleep. Dev looks to have a bit of a guilt on his shoulders about uh, how this is all kind of worked right. out. And Asha tries to help him too, and and he he doesn't he especially doesn't want any help from her. No, he barks at and her, and she's a snit to him. Mm-hmm. She is such a a witch with a bee a to bitch. him. Yeah, I I feel uncomfortable calling a child a bitch, Gav. Okay. <laughs> She's still technically a child, which with a B is fine, you know, with the whole being. So, yeah, you should, Dev. You should feel a little bit of guilt around your shoulders. Summers come over and Addy is just immersed in his own thoughts. He repeats to her how he was trapped in the burning car and Dev left him to die despite the shouts for help. At this, in comes Dev with an amazing offer for Addy. How would you like to be the assistant manager of my empire, Alahan and Son? Addy is less than impressed. He'll think about it. And Dave's even gone to the, the trouble of drawing Writing up a contract. Up a contract. I, thought, I thought Addy already was an assistant manager. Remember when he got a suit and was walking around giving uh, performance Evaluations reviews to, to Evelyn. Evelyn. The, she swore too much. And to, the, and to uh, Kathy mm-hmm. and Bernie. Yeah, he was already doing that. He was already doing that. And on their was birthday... It just, was it just not official? Dave gave the shop to both of them or it was... Right. DNA and A, right. Alahan. Yeah. Never mind your mum. We'll get rid of your mum from this. It's just, <laughs> it's just the three of us now. Aye. So Dev leaves and Summer is keen to help Addy celebrate. This is a big deal after all. Addy sees it as Dev's apology for leaving him <coughs> to die. It's blood money. Yeah. Summer says that she's sure that that's not the case. It absolutely is. Yeah. Summer's left and Asha is winding Addy up about being an assistant manager in a shitty corner shop. Addy pretends to be chuffed and gladly accepts the offer. Davis thrilled and orders a banquet of gargantuan proportions to the future. I've still got one, says Addy. Yeah. And nobody realises yeah, what and, he's and saying. Yeah, and Dev turns around and says, what? And Addy's like, never mind. Mm-hmm. That happens a couple of times where he kind of mutters something under his breath and Dev says, what? Yep. And he says, never mind. Right. And that's as far as we get with that this week. It's strange that there wasn't any more of that. Yeah. But... I was, again, worried, I was worried about how this how was going to go. How is he out of the hospital already? He got blown out of a car. And why does nobody, why does he not have any burns on his body? Well, all that Asha's got is a little band-aid on the side of her head. On her eyebrow, like she's got an eyebrow pierced or something like that. <laughs> really weird. I was worried about how this was going to go, and it might still go this way, but at mm-hmm. the moment, it, it feels like Adi is angry. But he's not in that revenge angry. It feels like living successfully is going to be his best revenge. I think he's going to milk Dev's guilt for all it's worth. Oh, you think so? Yes. That might be worth seeing. That, that, and that sounds absolutely like something Addy would do. Right. I think at first, you know, he might have been looming towards revenge. But I think, you know, in accepting the assistant manager position... He's kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn get, this into something. Get everything I can out of this. Do you think he's? I mean, he's very young to be doing this, but do you think he's going to steal all the businesses of his dad? <laughs> Eventually, in like ten years. That would be amazing, because that would make him a kind of 
You've become a bit of a Mike Baldwin. He's he's the this is this is the succession we really want. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fuck you, Brian Cox. <laughs> Gimme <me> Jimmy. <laughs> At least Jimmy doesn't do McDonald's commercials. <laughs> wow. That's a low blow. It is. But it's true. I die a little every time I hear Brian Cox go. It's almost as bad as his Mancunian accent in Frasier. (laughs) Mary Tart was talking about that this week. (laughs) Again, he's not wrong. No, he never is. Well, he rarely is. So, so yeah, so Dev's trying to make amends. You're right, I think there's a bit of uh, Machiavellian um, machinations going on in young Addy's head because he's intelligent enough to pull this off. That's for sure. Yeah, everybody acts like Asha is a smart one, but Addy is the one who really has the smarts here in like the cunning. And and you're right about when he was uh, giving out appraisals and stuff. Mm-hmm. When you think, oh my god, he's giving an appraisal to Evelyn. What are you doing, Dave? He's going to be killed. Right. Yeah, but he didn't. He did a no. good job at it. Yeah, and he's he, more than capable. He's more than capable, and he's charming, and he's, he's sweet when he wants to be. Right. Yeah. This is this is this is our future kingpin of. Of Coronation Street. Quite excited about this now. Yeah. Moving on, our next storyline is Homeless Stew has a rucksack for you. (laughs) I'm glad you went with Disco Stew and not Stewie from Family Guy. Yeah. Disco Stew. (laughs) On Wednesday, Nina speaks with Roy, worried that she's been letting down Asha recently. Well, there's no time like the present, says Roy, to go and do something about that. So Nina goes off to do that. Then Homeless Stew comes into Dev's looking for some super strength lager, nicking a few cans while Asha chats to Emma. Stew does a runner, but not before Asha spots the Weather County bag that Stew claims is his because he found it in a river. Asha gives That bag does not look like it was been, it has been in the river. No. I'm sorry. You couldn't you couldn't mess that bag up a little bit. That bag has been in the river and then living in a homeless man's tent for weeks. Well months. he claims later that he fished it straight out because right. so I don't think it's been in the river for very long. Yeah, but still, it should be a bit muddier than that. It looks like it's brand new off the rack. It does look new. And there's a reason why it looks new. So that you can see the WC. Well, yeah, and because it is new. (laughs) Asha gives chase, Nina joining in, but Homeless Stew jumps on the bus to freedom. Freedom! Asha explains that Homeless Stew found a bag in the river and it must be ITV Corey's and he'll probably have the tracksuit then. Mm-hmm. Nina seems to take a while to realise the significance of this. This could put ITV Corey away for good. So Nina and Asha go to the police station but unfortunately PC Tinker's working so they see him <laughs> and he's vague and useless but arranges to have their statements taken. And apparently it's been no use whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Back in the street, Asha and Nina happen upon Summer and then Billy... Asha shows them a CCTV image of Homeless Stew from uh, from the shop earlier. That's Homeless Stew, says Billy. <laughs> and he hangs out at the soup kitchen. Asha and Nina make their excuses and promise to help out at the soup kitchen later. Mm-hmm. So they go there and Asha's sure that this is going to help them get justice. And they lie to Billy. They say, oh, well, I overcharged him. Yeah. I think I may have overcharged him and I feel bad. Why would they not be honest with Billy? We think he has... Because I think... Billy would have would have had a bit more urgency than, oh, well, maybe you'll see him at the soup kitchen later if he mm-hmm. knew the truth. Right. Maybe he can't handle the truth. 
Have we done that one yet? I think so. Mm. Uh, the Soup Kitchen, Asha is sure that this is going to get them justice. And if he doesn't show up today, well, we'll just keep on coming back until he does. And Asha, at this point, is saying all the right things to make Nina happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Nina doesn't really seem to notice that that's uh, I happening. think she kind of notices. And I think if Roy was really funny at the beginning of all this when, you know, Nina's like, well, maybe, you know, I feel like I may have let her down. Maybe I should go and see her. And But I don't think she's going to want to see me. And Roy's like... I have a feeling Asha will always want to see you. That's true. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I know nothing about relationships. Right. So Homeless Jew actually shows up in the next scene, but he doesn't go and get soup. Instead, he sits around the corner away from Asha and Nina and hears them talk about the rucksack and how important it is so they can get ITV Corey sent down. Conveniently, this man who's coming to get an empty soup container right. of soup because he's homeless and cannot get food on his own instead sits behind the soup kitchen mm-hmm. conveniently so homeless stew must get right on the internet to find out where itv Corey is going to be and he finds him walking home and homeless stew falls off at the back of him because a tenor just scumbag says homeless stew you what says itv Corey. so homeless stew sings a wee song to him Corey brent is a gent he's not a murderer after all sings homeless stew how interested do you think the cops would be in your bag, he says. He says that he saw ITV Corey throw it in the river and he fished it straight out. You can have your bag for a price. So ITV Corey kills Homeless Stew. <laughs> On Friday. I think Homeless Stew could have given Corey a run oh, for his money. the shit out of him. I would have liked to have seen it. So on Friday, Asha comes into Royal's Rose to chat Nina into resuming their search for Homeless Stew at the soup kitchen. Sean, who's in for a bacon butty, overhears and offers his help from his Rolodex of homeless contacts. <laughs> I was homeless once. I could help the situation. <laughs> I am not useless. <laughs> just Completely. To, just to throw this in for no reason whatsoever, Johnny died last week and Natasha died this week. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> <clears throat> you know what was funny? And I know this was like a couple of storylines ago when Sean was talking to when Sean was talking and I meant to say something. But anyway, when Sean was talking to Carla and he calls her Mrs. B, mm-hmm. I had to sit and think about that for a second about why is he calling her Mrs. B? Because Connor starts with a C. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's right. She and Peter got married, didn't they? Yep. Well, so the legend goes. <laughs> I'd forgotten all about that. Meanwhile, ITV Corey's meeting up with Homeless Stew, who has changed his mind. He wanted a hundred quid for it. Come on, Homeless Stew. Aim a bit higher than that. Now he wants 500. ITV Corey's about to lose his shit until Homeless Stew points out that the CTTV cameras are right behind him. Yeah. ITV Corey's wearing his black uh, baseball, baseball cap, cap and pulls it down yeah. a little bit too late to be doing things like that. Right, yeah. Homeless Stew is not an idiot. No, he kind of knows how things work. Yeah. Right? So ITV Corey's forced to agree to these new terms. Nina is still unsure, so Asha forces her to sing a song every time she's been negative. It becomes quite annoying. In comes homeless Dudley, a friend of Sean, and there to help. Asha shows the photo, but Dudley isn't sure, although there is a homeless colony at the river now. Nina and Asha are buoyed by this because that's where mm-hmm. the bag would have been thrown away. So at the colony, Nina and Asha are guided to Homeless Stew's tent, but he's out on business at the moment. They hang around waiting for him, but Nina loses patience and goes uninvited into Homeless Stew's tent, and that was, looking for the rucksack. That whole thing was awful, and you it would gets worse. Yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah, because then she she starts making comments about she didn't realize that homeless people could be hoarders. Of course they are. That's is, exactly what they do. Which is so awful. 
which is such an awful thing to say. Every single thing that they have becomes precious. Right. So of course they they have so little. Right. And they have so little area to put them in. She's very disrespectful to people's belongings. It just does not fit with her character. (laughs) Homeless Dudley catches them in the act and tells them to sling their fucking hooks before the other homeless people turn on them. Right, yeah, and correctly says to her, you wouldn't just go barging into somebody else's house, would you? Right. This is Stu's house. This is Stu's house. And this she's is... just throwing things about. I know, yeah, she just goes right in and starts throwing stuff about, mucking things up. It was awful. It was It was very, very awful and inconsiderate. I lost a little respect for Nina that, so did that I. day. Anyway, Nina curses her impatience, but on their way back into town, they spot Holmes Stew after all and decide to follow him from a safe distance. The followed becomes the follower. Or the other way around. The follower becomes the followed. Ah. Homeless Stew quickly realises that he's been followed and recognises Asha. He doesn't have the bag and he reacts quite threateningly when Asha calls him a liar. Nina, though, isn't scared. She's been through more than this. She's seen where he lives and she's not going anywhere until he's heard them out. So she explains about Seb, but Homeless Shoe doesn't want to get involved. You're already involved, barks Sasha. Nina draws comparisons between her getting beaten up and Stu getting hassled for being homeless, like people breaking into his tent and that, you mean. Mm-hmm. This begins to melt Homeless Stu, but he insists that he can't help and he walks away. Yeah, and, you know, people like Corey will always win over people like us. Right. So ITV Corey goes to meet him on the back street. Cash up, says Homeless Stu, who wasn't born yesterday. ITV Corey hands it over. Well, he actually throws it at Stu. Right, yeah, and it lands on the ground. And he tells him where the bag is. It's in a bin over there and he hightails it. So ITV Corey gets the bag, but his clothes are missing from it. <gasps> they weren't part of the deal. No, just the bag. Just the bag. So Homeless Stu goes to Devs when Nina and Ash are hanging out and hands over a plastic bag full of ITV Corey's <laughs> bloody clothes, explaining that he sold the bag to ITV Corey. He managed to get himself some cash out of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Help yourself to a few tins, says Asha. <laughs> And yeah, and I'm very concerned about those those clothes being in a plastic bag because I've I've listened to a a, a murder podcast or two in my lifetime, so I know that plas- that plastic breaks down blood and DNA quite quickly. So it's yeah. not the best thing for it to be put in. They put they put uh stuff in bags at the scene, but then they take them and they put them in cardboard boxes at the at the station, you know, so I, I'm just, I'm just hopeful that the show doesn't know this. So well, the it, cops it, will. It probably does know it, but does it want it to be important? Right. Yeah. Back at ITV Stefan Towers, ITV Corey has to explain that he's got the bag, but the clothes are missing. ITV Stefan doesn't want to hear ITV Corey explain the significance of this and can't believe that ITV Corey didn't check to see if homeless Stu had even seen the clothes. He sits, he sets out in his car to find the clothes before the police do. Where's he going? Where, where, where's he, gonna, he even going is, to start? Is, is he going to? Does he know where the homeless encampment uh, down by the river is? I don't Has he think been so. selling the magazines? <laughs> well, maybe. It was quite telling that ITV Stefan just didn't even want to hear ITV Corey finish the sentence. Right. Yeah, because he doesn't want to know that his son actually right. did murder somebody. He knows. He knows it, but he doesn't want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Nina and Asha are at the police station speaking to someone who knows a bit more about what they're doing than PC Tinker. Apparently the clothes aren't the be-all and the end-all though and they're going to have to assess whether this is enough evidence to reopen the inquiry. It's all about the forensics but keep stoom for now. If these do prove to be important, we don't want ITV Corey getting the wind of it. Yeah. 
a little late, but so, so which the, you'd think that they would have pointed out to the police officer. Well, he he's already knows. already knows because <laughs> the homeless guy sold his bag mm-hmm. back to him. In the community garden, Asha and Nina agree that not telling Abby yet is probably for the best. Asha thinks Seb would be proud of Nina. Nina has enjoyed being with Asha this time and has decided that she wants to give the relationship another go. Belter, says Asha. Yeah, Asha is very excited about this. Yeah, and well, she, she's she says the right things here. She says, "I don't want to be pushing you into something." Right, and only and also, I don't want to be hurt. Mm-hmm. So don't be saying anything that you don't actually mm-hmm. mean. And Nina's very insistent that she does mean everything what? that she's saying here. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was quite exciting. Yeah, it was nice to see homeless Stu come round. Yes, he seemed like quite a, a wee comedy character when he was going to get his free curry at Speeddal. But right. he was got a temper on him, hasn't he? Well, you probably would be too if you were living in a tent down by the river. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't even like to go camping. No. No, I, I would do very badly in that situation. You would. It's funny, though, to see that he he actually has a tent and everything, because when we saw him during Super Soap Week, he was sleeping behind behind a wall with... Naginal. Yeah. And it's like, why was he sleeping there in the rain when when he had a tent? Too much uh, super strength lager, probably. I don't think that's a fair assumption. Well, we see him trying to nick it. Well, yeah. Maybe he's going to sell it, though. Somebody else. Ah, it's no sell it. I wonder where he charges his phone. Yeah, I was surprised he had a phone. <laughs> but I mean, not 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 to just assume that homeless people don't have phones. But no, still. I don't think it's impossible. No. But uh but yeah, good stuff. Moving on then to uh our next storyline, which is Emma's harebrained scheme. On Wednesday, Emma is burning dinner like a woman when Curtis comes home. <laughs> Emma is wearing a face mask and wanted to make him a tart to celebrate how heroic he was the other day when he was trying to save Harvey, the, the convicted criminal. She goes to get him a face mask too. And later, with Curtis in the face mask, Emma realises why he wanted to be a doctor. It's because helping other people makes him feel useful. That's great. Mm. Talking of which, Curtis gets up to put in more hours helping out at the hospital and Emma begins to worry that he's taking on too much. And that brings us on to this week's Hard Debate. We saw more of Curtis last night, but how well is the new drop-dead any-minute medical student bedding in? Too early to tell? No cares to give? He's rocking my world. Or is he the fish guy? (laughs) I think I voted, is he the fish guy? Thank you. (laughs) I wanted that one to do well. We don't even know who he is. (laughs) <laughs> okay the voting was thus he's rocking my world and is he fish guy both got 12.5% too early to tell was 26.6% and no cares to give which we could easily translate to not a solitary fuck to give about this 48.4% yeah it's telling that is he fish guy and he's rocking my world got the same amount of votes just a little bit yeah I, I again I care because I care about Emma but the fact that... It's making her miserable. Right. It's it's making her miserable. And also, the fact that they don't have a specific diagnosis for him, I think, really hurts the story. Mm-hmm. If we had something specific to cling on to, 
rather than, oh, there's something wrong with my heart and nobody knows what it is and I have to take lots of pills. That, yeah. that, that, that doesn't give an awful lot for you to hang your hat on. Nope. On Friday at the flat, Curtis is taking his million pills for the day and he runs his hands through his hair and out comes a big clump that he tries to disguise from Emma. As a spider. It's a, yeah, it's a side because effect. Because she's a woman, so she'd be scared of a spider. <laughs> or try to cook it. <laughs> it's a side effect from his medication and being tired. Emma is really worried because Curtis's hair is the only interesting thing about him. No chuckles for that? Okay. <laughs> Every time that, I that, chuckle, I cough, so I'm, I'm being very... That, that, that joke worked well with stingy. the focus group, that's all I'm saying. I'm being very stingy with my laughs this week. At the Rover, Emma explains her concerns to Steve and the apparent amount of money it'll cost to get a private consultant. Steve knows all too well about that from the Oliver storyline, which gives Emma an idea. Can she borrow from Oliver's fund? Steve points out the ethics of what she's asking here. That money was specifically donated for Oliver, not Curtis's hair problems. Plus, it's probably m- mitochondrial illegal. research. Emma is crushed by this. But not as crushed as Rana. As Rana. So, so Curtis gets home to the flat. He's still, I think that's the first time I've done the, the Rana joke. Curtis gets home to the flat. He's still hairy. Emma remains down in the dumps as Curtis wants to focus on the present. And it seems that Emma is far more upset by all of this than Curtis is. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yeah, I'm finding it desperately hard to give up anything like a shit about this i thought it was very cute him in the face mask i did like that that's not enough that's not enough i thought that was cute and endearing i think it would have been more cute if he'd been really up for for it you know when she said oh i know i'll do you a face mask too and paint his toenails or something right yeah or if we saw her actually and i know covid you know if we saw her actually putting the face mask on him Mm mm-hmm well, we see some scenes this week that obviously the restrictions have been lifted or right. people are bubbling. I'm not sure. Yeah. But obviously not for, for Curtis. I'm shocked that a hospital is allowing him to work, you know, with patients during COVID yeah. when he has this disease that could make him drop at any second. Do we think he is? We think that would be a do liability. Think, do we think that's where the interest lies in this, that he's lying about everything? I don't think he's lying because he's taking lots of pills and we've seen him in the hospital and we've seen his support group and we've seen his doctors. He's not lying about this. Damn it. He really is that dull. It's nice to look at, I guess. Yeah. And this, again, this is, I keep on going back to this. He's a guy who's desperately good looking and doesn't realise that he's desperately good looking normally is a bad one. Mm-hmm. Or has some other secrets to hide. Right. And his secret is he's dying. Yeah. So anyway, I think we'll thank the storyline for a boring moment of the week at some point. <laughs> Moving on to Curry Wars. On Friday at Speed Dal, Alia is worried about Ryan after the whole Horror Nation stuff. So Zidane tells her to go see him if she cares that much about it. Take your time, he says. I've got lots of money to launder anyway. Zidane meets up with his father-in-law in the Alawiya Doom. Zidane is informed of a consultancy company to send a cheque to and then is given 50 quid more to launder. Find a way or I'll beat the shit out of you, says Hashim. It's 50,000 quid, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. they only say 50 and that, that amused me that he's trying to just launder like basically one 50 pound <laughs> note. I'll beat the shit out of you, says Hashim, and then he walks straight into the camera. <laughs> so Alia has a cuppa with Ryan. He's in a state about Johnny and how Jenny right. is... <laughs> When did this happen? Right. Like all of a sudden, Ryan's just losing it over Johnny when, you know, he was dancing on Monday. That's true. 
Yeah, maybe he maybe suddenly remembered that that was a bit inappropriate. Right, and that Johnny was kind of family? <laughs> He's lost all his gear. I, can't, I can never remember which one of Michelle's sons was actually her son. Ali. Was it Ali? The one who's no longer yes. in the show? Yes. Are we sure about that? But Ryan was yes. the one that she raised. Yes. God, that was a confusing storyline. Mm-hmm. I'm glad Michelle's gone. Well, sure. Just because. <laughs> Right, because so I'm we're also, not reminded of this confusing storyline. Yeah, she was a terrible character, <gasps> as was Kate. So, you know both of them will probably come back. Oh, at some point, and then I can tear into them again. Yeah. I'm looking forward to do that. Th- uh, do you think they'll bring Kate back for the funeral? No. I'd be, I'd be amazed if they do. Hmm. <clears throat> so yeah, he's in a state about Johnny. And they brought state. Claudia <laughs> back for Norris. And just for Norris, and now she's gone again. Yeah, well, she was maybe not doing anything else. <laughs> So anyway, let me get through the sentence. So Jenny... No. <coughs> See, this is funny. He's in a state about Johnny. Well, that line, that, that other line was funny. He's in a state about Johnny and Jenny and Holly's gear being wrecked, so he doesn't know where he goes from here. She offers encouragement and his job at Speed Dial Back, and he's really touched by this. Mm-hmm. He's kind of filling up a little bit and... We we see the, the yeah. motions of these two moving yeah, back this together. Is, this is another couple that's getting back together. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm all we're for happy. That. We're yeah. happy about this. Back at Speedal, Zidane is acting shiftily as he sticks Hashim's fifty pound note in the register. Alia doesn't notice anything amiss. So Zidane is having so much problems with this. He meets Hashim back in the alleyway. Hashim, who always seems to be there, right? Yeah, doesn't he live like over an hour away? Let's hope so, because otherwise there's no reason why we haven't been seeing Zidane all this time. Right. So they meet him back in the alleyway explaining that he can't launder that much money without his family or the tax man finding out. Well, just figure it out, says Hashim. And then a passing Ryan overhears this and asks Zidane what that was all about when Hashim leaves. Mind your own beeswax, says Zidane, and that's as far as we get with that. Hmm. At this point, I'm thinking that Hashim actually actively wants Zidane to fail at this. Of course he does. Of course he does. It's, there's there's no other reason for, for him to be doing this because I'm sure he has lots of other avenues to launder his money with. Yep. Can he possibly be in the frame for any of this if it all goes tits up? Hashim that is. Yeah. What's the risk for him doing this? There has to be some kind of risk. I don't know. That if Zidane went to the cops, which is probably what he should be doing. Right. But he's not going to because he has been actively laundering this money so mm-hmm. he will get in trouble and then his gran and sister will get in trouble as well because there's no way that they were unaware of all of this stuff happening how long do you think that we sell our pakistani street restaurant would take to turn over 50 grand no idea especially in this economy with covid and stuff yeah probably i think if they're pulling in a grand a day they're doing very well Oh, surely more than a grand a day. Well, I don't think they'd be able to afford to pay any of their staff if they were only pulling in a grand a day. 50 covers at 20 quid each. I'm sure it's more than that. Let's say it's two grand a day. That's still a month's worth of business. Mm-hmm. That Stan's been asked to launder over a weekend. Well, does it? No, Hashim says he's got a month, doesn't he? Does he? I think I so. I that. Anyway, I, th- I think Hashim definitely just wants to see Zidane get absolutely yeah. fucked over this. Yes. It was funny when he walked into the camera, though. It was a strange, strange shot. It was a strange it, shot. everything went out of focus. I have a, I have a feeling he wasn't meant to do that. 
Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I have a feeling that he walked in the wrong direction and they just left it in. If anybody knows, please tell us. Yeah. I'd love to know that. Hmm. Our final storyline this morning is Weatherfield Gun Rentals <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> floating Gun Rentals. <laughs> Weatherfield Floating Gun Rentals. There you go. <laughs> it's now the title of the story. On Monday, Abby, Kev and Jack get home. Jack's got a text from Liam telling him about Natasha. All this has made Jack scared to go off to Holiday Club. Fuck you, you're going, says Kev. I've paid, I paid for, it. for it already. <laughs> Such a Kev thing to say. So Kev and Abby are in Roy's Rolls getting a lowdown on Natasha, who was shot by Harvey in case in a case of mistaken identity. And Kev thought Harvey was inside. And when he's told that Harvey escaped, he starts to put two and two together and realises that this was the person who must have knocked him out. I could have been shot because it's all about Kev. Right, yeah. And they rightly point out, well, if he had a gun when they, he knocked you out, he would have shot you. Yeah. Which I don't necessarily... I would have shot you, says Shona. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't necessarily think is is true because no. he does it, Harvey doesn't want a murder. It, you know, if he's going to murder somebody, if he's going to get sent down again for murder, he wants it to be the person that he's getting revenge on. Yeah, he doesn't want to just kill anybody. Right, yeah. He has a list. Right. <laughs> he's making it twice. So Roy is sitting mournfully in the community garden when Abby comes along. He wonders if Harvey managed to get his hands on her gun. No, 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 says Abby. It must have been a different gun. And Roy wishes that he'd done more to help. Right, and people... Roy and other people in this storyline seem incredulous that there would be two guns on the street on the same night. We just get to this. And, and while that may or may not be true, I don't think it's that incredulous to think that some drug gangster has you know caches of um firearms guns and firearms hidden away between you know the road where he got into an accident and and weatherfield i think it's a sad indictment on the show at times to say that it's not beyond the realms of credibility to think that there are two guns in the show at the same time right yeah how i wish how i wish that wasn't the case because mm-hmm. on friday Abby runs into Roy and gives her wedding invitations for him and Nina. They've decided to use the wedding as a marker to draw the line on the past. Roy thinks this is a capital idea and Abby runs off just as Tez appears around the corner. And Abby's at home when there's a very insistent knocking at the door. It's Tez. He's wanting his gun back. She didn't realise it was a loner and tells him that she chucked it in the canal. He isn't buying it. Try the truth this time because he realises that her lip does something when she's lying apparently. Mm Mm-hmm. She tells him it's gone missing and then gives him the full story. Right. Why doesn't she just do that in the first place? Why does she lie to him initially and say that she chucked it in the canal when... Either way, the story is that it's in the canal somewhere. As far as she knows. Right. Right. Again, a, a case of it's just a lot easier just to tell the truth and lying does nothing to help the storyline. Right. It just makes it longer. So Tez is worried. That gun has more history than the British Museum. Oh, a very cultural reference there from our Tez. Abby is now sure that he's in the clear. That gun will have floated into the North Sea by now, she says. <laughs> Tez, though, knows about Natasha. What are the chances of two guns showing up at the same time? This is Weatherfield, not Compton. <laughs> Listen to him, producers of Coronation Street. This is Weatherfield, not Compton. Right. Of course, in Compton, there's more than two guns. <laughs> Right. In any city in America, there are more than two guns. There's more than two guns in the street. Yes. <laughs> One of them's next door. Yeah, none of them are in this house. No. 
But that isn't any invitation to folk. We can... No. We've got a very licky dog in the house. He'll take care of you. Right, and we do have a BB gun. Right, that's jammed. <laughs> he leaves as Kev comes in, angry that Tess has been in the house. So Abby makes up an excuse. It's something about her dead son, which makes it an even worse lie mm. that she's using Seb as her lie to cover right. why Tess is here. That's, that becomes a... Right, and that he's blaming her for Seb's death, and you know, people always blame her for everything, and it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I think that would prey on your conscience a little bit. I think Abby has so much on her conscience in her short life yeah, that true. this this is just a drop in the bucket. At home, Abby wonders why Jack has been so quiet. It turns out Kev has been telling him about Tess. What are you doing, why? Kev? What the fuck why? are you doing? Why would you tell this he boy? He told you on Monday how... how Scared, scared he was. He, he doesn't even want to go on vacation. Kev is not just a bad partner. He's also a bad father. He's just a terrible person. He really is. Abby deflects Jack's questions with the offer of ice cream. Going out to get some ice cream. So Abby goes to get her jacket and we see that it was Jack what found Abby's note. Right, yeah. He, he freaks out a little bit when she goes to pick up his coat. Mm-hmm. And that's when we know. Right, and then he takes it out. And- right, yeah. Which, I'm sorry, Jack? Jack not only takes a note that clearly has his father's name on it. It's in an envelope, remember. But opens the envelope and takes it out. Right. This is not something that this particular child would ever in a million years do. No, if, if Kev had died, maybe. Maybe, but he didn't. No. This is, this is so against this child's character to just just do. And what's he going to do with this knowledge? Right, and why, why, would, he, why would he want it? Why would why would he even think to pick something like this up? It's Abby basically confessing that she's gone off to kill Corey. Corey yeah, that she didn't do. Right. So it's like leaving a note to say I'm away down the shops, and then you don't go down the shops. Right. It's maybe a little bit more than that, but right, yeah. Like, but still, this is not something that Jack would have done. Is is like the sticking point of this whole thing. And what is he going to do with it? Is he going to give it to his dad? Is he going to give it to Abby? Is he just going to throw it away and then somebody else finds it? Right, and that's what my question was. It's like, what does this do to the story by making Jack? Because it never once crossed my mind that, despite the fact that the only other person that has access to this house right. is Jack. It would either have been Jack or, or Debbie, but if Debbie had found it, she would have already confronted Abby about it. Would it make more sense for Debbie to have found it? Probably, but she, I don't think she would have opened the envelope either. No. Because nobody knows the, the weight of the content of right. it. Right. just says Kevin on the front. That's bizarre. Yeah. Anyway, that's how we end this week's episodes. Ugh. So, it, it, so much good stuff happens this week that I hate that this is how we end this week's episode. Yeah, it was really disappointing, especially because we could have ended with uh, Nina and... Asha getting back together again. Right. And that would have kind of finished the aftermath of disaster mm-hmm. on something of an optimistic note. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that ar- Alia, arguably would have been a nice... Alia essentially forgiving Ryan and inviting him back to work at Speed Doll, which sets up them getting back together. I don't think that's the end of an episode or the end of a week material, but there were there yeah. was bits in it this week that, that it, could have given that you a That would have given you a positive. happy, uplifting note and also set up next week. Right. This does set up next week, but it's a kind of quizzical, right. probably bad thing to happen. Right. That would have never happened in a million years mm. because it's so anti this character. But I think I think you're right. 
and what we expected to happen this week has proved to be true that through the kind of nonsense of Super Soap Week or Super Soak Week, as I was starting to call it. <laughs> anyway. Through all that, it did produce some good drama this week. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed Ash and Nina being the little detectives. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Sam's performances, although you know, it wasn't exactly uplifting, but it was very moving. There was plenty in, that was going on this week that kind of takes a taste of last week out the mouth a little mm-hmm. bit. Right, we're, we're back to character-driven story. Yeah, and not trying to set up plot-driven. Right. Which was happening for the last two or three weeks before Super Soap Week. Correct. Some of which were t- turned out to be red herrings. Right. Because Gail's never moving back into that house. No, and Audrey still is driving about in her Mr. Magoo glasses. Right. Crashing into everything Only that, now that she's driving about like that in that London. Well, the streets are a little bit busier. We bit. <laughs> And there are more roundabouts and busier roundabouts. In London? There's, yeah, because there's, there's, that, there's that famous one that gets used in movies all the time. What's that one? The Arc de Triomphe in Paris? No. Oh, the Big Bang Parliament. The, yeah. One, yeah. the one from European Vacation is the one that you're referencing. <laughs> it was also used in a James Bond movie, wasn't it? Oh, the heady heights of the references. National Lampoon's European <laughs> Vacation. It's been used in other movies than that. Which also starred uh, Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, who I haven't mentioned in this podcast. No, that was the other podcast because he was Halloween Halloween Kills. That was the week that was Coronation Street. It was. What was your moment of the week? Uh, Natasha and Sam, you know, us against the world. You think that rather than uh, yes. Jude's little soliloquy? Yes, because this is the last time we'll ever be able to give it to Natasha, and Natasha deserved better. Yeah, fair enough. I will go with that. That is our... Moment of the week. Moment of the week. So which part of the Curtis storyline is our boring moment of the week? I would say Hashim walking into the camera. <laughs> or just Hashim meeting Zidane in the, in the, in the, in the wee tuttle thing like seven seven times in two episodes right that, that was incredibly boring and redundant oh well cut us you're off the hook Hashim well it was not boring can I get any higher yeah because basically they have the same conversation twice they do it's just that the second one is so Ryan can overhear right there's a lot of overhearing this week yeah fair enough that's our boring moment of the week Boring moment of the week. Okay, okay. Let's finish this up so you can go back to your bed. If noticing your hair is falling out happened deep in your distant past, I hear you. Send supportive <laughs> messages to us. Via All you need email. is a vitamin D supplement and you'll be fine. We're at talkerstreet at gmail.com and we're at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen the coffee by heading to ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of voggle.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back next week with more The Talk of the Street. Bye. Cheerio.